It is the Chicagoverse Unlimited podcast, featuring interviews of the premier artists and industry in the Chicago music community. My name is Haima Black. I host this podcast at DynastyPodcast.com. This week, Tobias Jag of Red Scare Records. Here's how that sounds. Haima Black here for Dynasty Podcast. I'm at G-Man up in Wrigleyville next Metro, and I'm here with Tobias Jag from Red Scar, Red Scar, Red Scare Records. How are you doing? Call, we're going to call this episode the best podcast you've ever done. Wow. I, That's right. So we're setting the bar high. There's a lot going on with the 10-year anniversary of Red Scare. There's a lot of events happening this weekend, but let's kind of take a step back. How are you feeling about reaching 10 years with this record label that I want to ask about the history about a little bit. Yeah, you know, um, way back in 2004, uh, no, it's it's pretty cool. Uh, You know, we started this to help our friends get their music out, and, um, you know, 10 years, I mean, obviously there's been labels around for probably, you know, 30 years or longer, but... um, this is sort of a cool thing. As a, it gives us a reason to have a showcase for all the bands. And I suckered some of my other friends to reform their bands. I even duped them into making a song. Um, so really, this is all a big, uh, it's a big scam for me to get my friends to play music. And uh, turns out you've been had. So <laughs> joke's on you, assholes. All right, great. Well, thank you for the interview. Uh, so I, I want to ask about everything current that's happening, but I, I would love to get some background. Kind of like take us back to 2004. You know, uh, what was the impetus, what was the catalyst for deciding to launch your own record label? Kind of give us some background on what things were like for you back then. Sure. In the, the way back machine, going back to 2004, uh, <laughs> I was living in San Francisco and I was working at a label called Fat Records, which is a, a notable punk rock label. They're great people there. And I was, uh, I had signed a couple bands for the label, but there was a couple other projects that no one really, there wasn't a home for. And uh, I don't know why, but I just took it upon myself to put out the records myself. And um, those releases were the Falcon EP mm-hmm. and the NMU record, which, um, you know, the Falcon had the dudes from Lawrence Arms and Alkaline Trio and right. Todd from Rise Against. And so it's kind of cheating to start out with a release like that. I, I recognize that. Um, but, yeah, I just kind of wanted to, um, you know, do something uniquely my own. And uh, I wanted to help my friends out. And, uh, you know, releases kind of piled together, and I just started, I, you know, I, I, I really, I know this sounds dumb, but I really do love music, and I love um, meeting people in the community, and, and um, it's just kept going since then. I wish, I wish there was more to it. Really, there wasn't a very, a lot of thought wasn't put into this, you know. If there was, um, I wouldn't start a record label. So, which is, which is, all record labels probably are ill-conceived ideas, I think. But this one's been really cool. I made a lot of friends, and... Um, you know, we're going to have a big uh, family reunion here this weekend. I think a lot of the best ideas are the ones where people are like, if you had told me how much work it was going to be, or <laughs> if you had told me kind of what it really would consist of over the next decade, two decades, I wouldn't have done it. But it starts with somebody who's just like a fan of something or wants to put something out in the world, and they're not worried about the logistics at the time, right? I tell you, um, yes, I would say even the better ideas are the ones that don't take a lot of work. And, and, uh, but, you know, uh, not that I'm complaining, but it, before I came down here, it was like, I was going to meet you at four, but I had to take mail order down. The thing is about record labels that um, maybe people don't know about is that it's not like uh, Clive Davis and Jimmy Iovine and, and Learjets and Crystal. It's actually spending every day at the post office or <laughs> carrying things to UPS. So if you're out there, kids, and you're thinking about a career in the music biz, um, I hope you like uh, packing things and um, schlepping boxes around because that's uh, primarily what, what it consists of, running a record label. 
I just interviewed a couple weeks ago um, over the summer the folks from Bloodshot Records, who I think hit 20 years this year. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, was it more romantic, it, you know, when you look back at kind of the, the old days, pre-internet, blah, blah, and I'm like, yeah, no, I had to go to the, the, the library in the basement and call every single record store in the country? No, that wasn't romantic. And I'm like, okay, so it's not kind of as nostalgic as it seems. It is a lot of work. And I think people don't realize how much work goes into running kind of an operation like this. Yeah, they don't. Um... And before we talk about what a complete abysmal spiral um, a record label is, we should briefly give props to Bloodshot because, yeah, they're they're in their 20th year. Um, and they have a few other people that come here and, and drink, and that is a label that um, is, is a... They're, they're, they're a role model, and they're, I mean, they, they do great stuff, and I, I really envy them what they do. And that's, that's they're pretty punk, even though, you know, you, they kind of have this alt country vibe too but yeah bloodshot is awesome um and i think about you think about what the days were like of touring before cell phones and and right. just posting your tour dates up on the internet um so yeah i i uh i can see how they're probably grateful for for uh for being in the 2000s that's maybe that's what that's actually why we waited until 2004 to start we're waiting for technology to catch up to our kick-ass ideas you needed it to be myspace and after so yeah yeah yeah, MySpace. What what happened there? I mean, like, you guys made it ten years, and MySpace did not. Uh, yeah, but they made like a trillion dollars, and well, whatever. I mean, yeah. so what, uh, kind of, what kind of socialist would I be if I just you know wanted a trillion dollars? <laughs> so you know, it's two thousand four, and you know, I, I'm taking me through it. Like you are, I'm assuming friends or working with like you know the folks from Lawrence Arms, folks from uh, yeah. Alkaline and Rise, and you just know these guys and. They've got these projects that don't work under Rise Against, under Lawrence Arms, and yeah. they need another channel for it? I think the best way to describe it is no one would put the stuff out. Right. Um, and I tried to get Teenage Bottle Rocket signed to Fat Records when I worked at Fat Records, but Mike didn't want to sign them. He signed them like two or three records later after we had developed them, and they, everyone realized they were a kick-ass band, and they write great songs. But, you know, that's actually something I find a little irksome is... I heard, you know, you'll hear this, like when we put out the first Mass Intruder record, mm-hmm. somebody from a big magazine said like, oh, that, rec- that, that, that record's way too good to be on Red Scare. And it's like, that, that's fine, but you know what? No one, no, I mean, if, if that, that's true, I agree, but no one else will stick their dick out there and, and put money behind these unknown bands. So I, if there's one thing I do, do I'll, I'll, I will take credit for. It's like, we do take bands that are from, that are, that are you know, from the ground up when no one else will take chances on them. And uh, we try to develop them. We get them notice more. And, and uh, you know, um, obviously I have no problem when, like, our band's going to Epitaph or Fat Records because that's uh, that's what I hope for. They're my friends, and I want them to I want them, I want want them them to have their music heard by as many people as possible. But, you know, uh, anytime these other motherfucking labels want to come and sign these unknown bands, you know, knock yourself out. But I don't think a lot of labels do a great job of developing brand new bands from the no. punk scene. So, you know, I'm going to say we're the best. All right. So t- suck it, everybody. Well, I think a lot of labels, I think this is true in a lot of the creative arts. A lot of people don't really want to be first at the door. They say that they do, but they don't want to take that risk. They don't want to put their own money on it. They don't want to do something unknown. There's yeah. not as much of a rush because you're right. These acts are out there, and if the labels really wanted them, they could go sign all these great unsigned acts across the country. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're what? Do you, what are we like? 
This is like the tipping point, you know, like the the first the first real tastemaker. I don't really think that we're. I'm I'm not that much of an adventurous tastemaker when it comes to like how to market things and what to do. I'm I'm leery about any of that new 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 ideas and shit. But you know, we're usually the second through the door. But yeah, when it comes to bands, I don't know, man. You just gotta you gotta get, gotta get out to some shows. And I think also more important when it comes to developing new bands is like you kind of have to know how to do it. A lot of a lot of the young bands will start. You know, these bands that, like, just show up on bigger labels like Side One Dummy and stuff like that, it's, it really is, um, I mean, they're great and all that stuff, but there needs to be kind of an organic growth to it all, you know? And I think some Incubated. A little incubated, I guess, yeah. And uh, sometimes, like, it just, you know, you can take these bands, you can put them on tour with, like, the, some of the biggest bands, but, you know, what they probably need is maybe to do a tour basements and to do then, then some small clubs and grow organically to kind of get their own, get their own, you know, creative muscles uh, developed a little bit. And um, I think that's something that we do real well. We, we can take bands from from uh, zero to 60, or maybe zero to 35. But help develop them, help them get them to that point where they learn how to be a band, how to, how to run it as a business. And then, you know, if Epitaph calls five years later, they, you know, they kind of did their training wheels, yeah. sort of, right? Absolutely, and I remember, like, there are bands... Uh, I don't want to, you know, it, 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 I can say the Menzingers because there's a lot of bands, but like, I remember when the Menzingers had their first, when the, their first, got a proper tour with Anti Flag and like they dealt with a booking agent for the first time. It was adorable. And you know, I was like talking to these guys, like, hey, you know, make sure you be respectful backstage. You don't want to like piss off, you know, some of these national acts because you want to keep these opportunities coming. And they were like, they were like, yeah, I mean, because they were just like fresh faced kids that were making music and doing the thing that we were talking about, you know, like growing as, as artists and musicians. And it was, it's always like cool to like help people take that first, those first steps and acclimate them to like getting their music out there. And, and I mean, you know, that, that's, that's a fun process and it, it has to start somewhere. And I think it was great for bands like them and the sidekicks and teenage bottle rocket, all these bands that have kind of went from like no fans to, you know, a bunch of fans. You know, when you were starting out, did you realize, or I guess at what point did you realize that, like, that was going to be one of the strengths of Red Scare, that you were going to help develop these bands and kind of like, for lack of a better word, kind of do this, like, almost school of rock thing, but I know it's not a school <laughs> of rock, but, you know, you are teaching them kind of how to get out in the world. I think if they're, unfortunately, my skill set is that I know, like, people in the music industry, like, uh, smaller booking agents and other people at magazines. Yeah, I, I figured that was the one benefit of coming from spending years working at Fat Records is that I developed a lot of contacts. And I think that's why people come to Red Scare because they know they, um, you know, it's better than better than doing it on your own. Yeah. And But obviously it's not as good as being on a label like Fat or Epitaph. But, but uh, you know, we do a pretty good job of publicity and stuff for our bands, getting them off the ground and... I, I would say that is one of our bigger strengths, you know, I mean, there, every, every label has its strengths and weaknesses, and like, for us, we have, like, it's hard, physical distribution is really hard, you don't, it's hard to get records in Best Buy or whatever, I don't ever, I mean, actually, we, we got the Falcon record in Best Buy, but that was, shit, almost nine years ago, you know, so, um, yeah, I think that one of our strengths is exposure, we, we really are kind of like a house of cards in that way, like, our, our bands get a lot bigger, um, kind of uh, press than, than maybe uh, their sales and, and their real position would lead you to believe. But that's all right, man. That's how, you know, you get, that's as they say in showbiz, you know, fake it till you make it. And a lot of these bands have kind of gotten signed by bigger labels because, you know, people see that there's a lot of momentum. 
You know, so let's talk about kind of the, the we're, we're going to bounce around in this interview. Um, let's talk about kind of the, the climate and culture and punk right now and how the operation works from a business standpoint. Because I see sites like Absolute Punk, you see sites like Property of Zach, you know, you see uh, festivals like Fest, and there's still very much a culture in kind of like punk, pop punk, like underground, whatever you want to label it. Yeah. You know, kind of do you see that and do you still see a lot of channels and resources when a lot of other elements of the larger music industry have kind of fallen by the wayside? I don't know what you mean by that. I, I, I think, I mean, there's tons of pop punk outlets. The problem is I don't know what we're talking about with pop punk right now because, you know, there's, uh, we're sort of, we're, our um, label is sort of geared towards people in their 30s almost, which right. is kind of depressing, really. Um, I think it's great. I mean, I, 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 I'm like, I, I'm a big fan of traditional punk rock, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I grew up on The Clash and Misfits and shit like that. So obviously a lot of the stuff, you know, is sort of derivative and influenced by that, the stuff I like. Um, that's not to say that I like, I, I feel strongly that bands like Sidekicks and Menzingers sort of transcend that stuff. And I really want to still work with like younger, compelling bands and stuff. But I mean, I don't really know how to even begin to quantify what... Uh, is, is pop punk, and, you know, like Absolute Punk and Property of Zach will report on our stuff, but sort of reluctantly, you know. I mean, and, and they do, and it's really cool that they do, but, you know, like we've, they're, they're, they're the bands that are like, the kids are stoked on is like Real Friends and Wonder right. Years and stuff like that. And I, I, um, it's, it's vastly different. You know, one thing the Menzingers were telling me recently, when, where was I? We were, we were in Europe or what was I seeing? I forget where I saw those guys. And they were talking about Tumblr, and Tumblr is uh, the ever. Tumblr is like the biggest thing in terms of like music since MySpace. I mean, like MySpace was great for bands. Um, Facebook not so much. Right. Um, I, I don't know what other social media like Twitter is like fine, but Tumblr apparently is like a real thing, and that's why you've got bands like. I've never really heard, but like Front Bottoms or the So-So Glows or some of these bands that are, or like some of those bands like, I mean, I'm assuming Tidal Fight is probably in there too, but much younger bands that uh, have like a big Tumblr presence. They, right. they refer to them as Tumblr bands. I, and I don't know what they do. Apparently they just, there's gifts that get shared and it's sort of like a viral sharing experience that the fans do and kind of like check out bands or something it, it's a whole community i mean i've seen it like you know we, we i did a panel a couple of years ago at rocket bar and grill uh all about like making money in the music industry we had uh we had some really good folks mark rose with william beckett on it um william beckett you know he's doing a lot of stuff with like streaming he was just trying a lot of platforms at the time so we had him on the panel and of course a lot of you know academy is fans showed up so we put out a video of that entire panel, and then I find out on Tumblr that somebody just cut out everybody else, and they made gifts of William Beckett, and those got reblogged hundreds of times, if not thousands. So that was what the audience took away from this like boring industry panel type thing. I, I don't, I don't understand. I mean, I admittedly don't understand it, and uh, you know, I, every generation is entitled to like their platforms and their way to communicate, and that's probably why the fact that. You know, uh, people like me who are into more traditional punk rock don't get it. It's maybe that much makes it that much more attractive to them, you know. But um, you know, with Tumblr stuff, I, I think it's awesome. You know, whatever whatever uh, you know cranks your cheese wheel out there. Um, I, uh, I I think it is really strange how 
the trends are, are sort of shaped. How, mm -hmm. I mean, like some bands, even though they should be eligible for Tumblr popularity, they just aren't because they're seriously 20, over 25 years old, you know? Right. So I don't know. I mean, I really don't know what, what the deal is. I mean, I say we will about MySpace, but at least it seemed like it was a more level playing field. Um, but then again, you know, maybe older people just aren't using Tumblr. I, I, I have no idea what, I have no idea how to, how to quantify it. But, you know, social media in 2014 isn't, isn't that great for, underground music I mean, I'm, isn't that great for us at least well you know uh, before we kind of do into go into a whole social media discussion and turn this into like social media week let's kind of dip back to the early days of red scare so you know you launched in 2004 you're putting out records you know by your friends that other people are not touching on yeah. at what point in the process over the last 10 years did you start to realize like this isn't just a pet project this isn't just me helping out brendan kelly or you know yeah. some folks i know wouldn't it become a real thing yeah, I don't know. I don't think, again, not a lot of uh, thought was put into this. I think at some point, um, you know, right away we really lucked out with, with like some of the bigger bands. I mean, our fourth and fifth releases were like reissues from the Lillingtons. And that's kind of, a, in my eyes, like a legacy band, you know. And having the Lillingtons and, you know, a Lawrence Armside project and then, you know, we got a Methadones record. Who's, you know, Dan Vapp is a guy that's like pretty respectable in the punk world. And then, of course, we, you know, we, uh, we kind of early on, and then we, we signed this band, Cobra Skulls, who came out of nowhere and, like, was kind of a hit, too. And at that point, it was like, yeah, shit. I mean, we're on to something here. The problem always has been, um, at what point am I fine with completely draining all of my life savings, you know? And, I, you know, it was fine because I, I really... Um, for the first, you know, all the years I worked at Fat, I didn't, I, you know, I, did, I just saved my money first. So I didn't have, I don't, have, I didn't have a car, or you know, a dog, or a computer, or anything. I just, I just saved my money. I'm just dumb like that. I don't have anything to spend it on. And so, you know, I put all the money into pretty much all the money into Red Scare. You know, it kind of comes and goes and comes and goes. But a lot of things, you know, would have decided, or almost decided, Red Scare's fate was our physical distributors going out of business, and it's happened a couple times and where we got left, you know, got left holding the bag for like several thousands of dollars on a couple occasions. So that sort of thing is where you tell yourself like, well, you know, it's that, that's it, you know, because it costs a lot of money to send bands to the studio. I know music is free, but unfortunately- The costs. Yeah, the costs are far from free, you know, and I mean, we've got a guy like Matt Allison who's in Chicago, who's like a national treasure. He should be, he should get the key to the city, this Matt Allison. Uh, he, you know, does records for like, for an amazing rate, but even, and we're like cheating him because, but we can't afford it anymore because people just don't buy music, you know? So. Yeah, I mean, a lot of it, the music economy has kind of determined, like, whether or not this is going to be a real thing. At some point, uh, we just kind of kept plugging along. I think, uh, you know, 2012 was definitely a really, really good year. I'm kind of blanking on what came out that year, but uh, it was definitely Brendan Kelly and the Wandering Birds. Mm -hmm. um, we, we had a lot of good records that year, and... Uh, you know, it was it was a, a good year for the label. I think even before then, I kind of knew that I was always going to do that. It bears mentioning that, like, I have another job. You know, so I, I before before we get too excited and uh, do a touchdown dance and proclaim victory over you know um, the the, the uh, crappy music uh, business. Um, you know, it's it's 
I do have another job to kind of, uh, and also my my wife has also been, you know, we run the I run the label out of our apartment, so there's I've, I, you know it's kind of easier to do this when you have like no overhead, and we've made it kind of work, and I don't really see why I can't keep making it work, you know, even even if it r remains like a a bedroom label type type thing, you know, I think uh, I don't know. When did it become a real thing? I think it was like when we reissued those Lillington's things and like had a hit on our hands with like Cobra Skulls, and then it just kept getting better. You know, we had Punk News Album of the Year with the Sidekicks and then the Menzingers. That was pretty cool. Um, we've just been really, really lucky, and we've continued to get really lucky with like our bands, you know? So. Well, I think that, you know, I think it's easy to say luck, but I mean, A, it's a lot of hard work, obviously, and B, you guys are always working with artists that, you know, even if they're not like a Lady Gaga or a Katy Perry, you know, selling five million copies. Although or if you're out there, Katy, um, let's talk. Oh, same. She's a, same. She's, she, she subscribes to the podcast. Yeah, I wish. Um, you know, but you have acts that people care about passionately. I think that that's kind of one of the real strong points of Red Scare. Would you agree? Yeah, people care about them. I mean, think, the other thing is we have a... A real bunch of drunks among the fan base, and they, you know they, it, it, on like uh, on a serious level, you know there is there is this pretty cool. Um, we've got this real scrappy kind of community of, of fans, you know, and uh, you know it's, you know how like when when Victory Records they were like, yeah, well, this is a lifestyle label, this is a lifestyle label, you know, with all that like screamo goth stuff. Somehow I kind of think that we sort of like. Turn, I mean, like, you know, it's the same thing with, like, the fest in Florida. It's not just Red Scare, but it's just a lot of people that are part of this community. And you're right, they're, they're super passionate. And one of the best things about moving to Chicago was how vibrant the music community was and how our, the first shows that most our bands ever sell out are always in Chicago. Like, the first show Teenage Bottle Rocket ever sold out was in Chicago. They're not from here. Cobra Skull's the same thing. They're not from here. You know, I mean, um, our bands do well here because there's a lot of great people and you're right i mean people have been been very supportive and I, you know it's hard not it, it, you, it, i'm super grateful for it because you know without them these bands wouldn't have fucking made it out of this town or out of their own town yeah you know so you know on the on the upsides we've talked a lot about the trials but like what are the things that keep you going with this what are the what are the victories that you're like this is why i do this this is why i'm continuing to do it after 10 years or after five years because if every part of this sucked you'd be like well I'm not doing that anymore yeah gosh i have a lot of smart ass answers um <laughs> you'll notice that i'm holding bears mentioning to our listeners uh that i'm holding a louisville slugger bat here this is the most like subtly menacing interview i've ever done <laughs> it's i'm sorry about the bat but i'm really uh, i to answer your question somebody just gave me a bat a baseball bat they right. put right before you got here look it says toby jag red scare best punk label congrats on 10 years oh my god that's amazing it's, yeah no that this bat just showed up into my life and it's like you asked me what's what keeps me going it's you know when somebody shows up and gives you a, a louisville slugger that's when you know you finally made it i think and i mean this the coolest thing is, and I don't know if it's, I'm, I, maybe it's kind of vain, but I love it when, you know, you're, you, you kind of were right about something. When, when, I, when I first saw Mast Intruder play in Madison, and I was like, this shit is awesome. I bet everyone would love this. And I, I have to, like, I sing it from the mountaintops, and I, like, bully all my friends into coming to see them. And everyone's like, oh, my God, this shit is awesome. And it just grows from there. And to see a band like Mass Intruder go from, in such a short time, right. go from a completely unknown band 
to like selling out shows again in Chicago first, but also like killing it around the country. They've been to Australia and Europe multiple times now, and we just put their record out a couple of years ago. Um, seeing that happen is really really cool, and it's very gratifying because you know you you uh, played a part in in a lot of joy. You know, like uh, people are, are so stoked about you know to come to shows and have a good time. You know, music obviously is. It's something that brings a lot of joy to people, and you know, if you can help facilitate that, and don't get me wrong, like one thing, you know, that everybody has to, that I want to get out there is, all the hard work is, I mean, the bands do ten times the hard work that we do. You know, sleeping on floors, and you know, perfecting their craft and writing songs, like that. That's like the hardest part. But you know, to be able to be a, a middleman in that process is the best part. And the free baseball bats, of course. <laughs> baseball bats. I don't know. It's, it's just it's in awesome. it for the baseball bats. Yeah, yeah. For, this is my first bat. Um, <laughs> I don't really know what I'm gonna do with this. I'm trying to be a minimalist, you know. And now, you know, everyone's downsizing, but now I've got a baseball bat. I mean, how do you? You gotta keep this thing. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. You gotta hang that up in the, uh, yeah. The trophy on, on the on the mantle there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so you know, it is the 10 year anniversary this weekend happening in Chicago. And there are a number of events. Um, I'm going to kind of let you run through what's happening this weekend, what you can talk about, everything that's going on with the anniversary. Because I know that there's things happening at Metro here. There's things happening here at G-Man, where we that's are, right. Ginger Man. So take us through that. It's just a nonstop cavalcade of rock and roll. No, we're doing uh, Friday. We're doing like kind of acoustic kind of, you know, sideshow thing here at G-Man Tavern. And uh we, the, whole, the whole weekend's going to have uh, some special guests here and there. But Friday, we're going to have uh, Jay Nothington playing acoustic. Uh, Dan Vapid is going to come and do like a minimalist thing he does with uh, Simon from, the, from Vapid and the Cheats. They kind of put together a little two-band show. Um, I think Tim Elway is going to play acoustic. We've also got some people who are just going to show up and play a song or two. So, you know, uh, that's going to be fun. That's going to be kind of a nice little appetizer. You know, because the thing is, we have, I know, two different parties that are coming in from Australia. I know a bunch of people that are coming over from Europe. And it's like, man, the least we can do is make kind of a weekend out of it, you know? So, and have some real hangs. And it's like, again, this whole thing is just an excuse to trap my friends in, in, a, in a room for, for a couple of days. And uh, so I've, I know all these people who are coming from Australia and Europe. So it'll be cool to, to get them to do more stuff. So that's Friday. We're doing some acoustic side shows here at Ginger Room. Um, Saturday, of course, is... Like the big show, it's like kind of an all-day festival-style vibe um, at Metro, which is a big historic club here in Chicago, and that alone, it's an honor to even do that. You know, sure. there were other options, but uh, Metro seems like a no-brainer because it's just—it's a legacy. It's a legacy. I mean, it's got such a great punk rock history. I mean, Alkaline Trio just played four shows there last right. night. You know, Naked Raygun was here at Lawrence Arms. There's so many like great punk rock history there. It's also next to my house, so <laughs> that may, it has a legacy, and I can walk there. Yeah, uh, the travel time's real nice. The commute, short commute. Um, that is, there's 13 bands playing. And uh, we're going to do some different stuff. We're going to have, like, a raffle um, before the show. See, what you're hearing right now is the president's uh, motor air air motorcade flying over, which is also kind of cool. I mean, even the even Barack is here for the... Uh, for the He's doing a, a private acoustic yeah. VIP yeah. winner. Yeah. yeah, I like his old stuff, but... Um, <laughs> I like his first-term stuff before he sold out. Yeah. 
so the Metro show is going to be big, 13 bands. You can have ins and outs. Um, it's going to be a real party. Uh, Metro doesn't usually kind of do that, but then no, again, they don't. That's awesome. Yeah, they don't usually do 13 band bills, though, either. Right. So I'm really hoping that I'm really, if you're out there, uh, drunks of Chicago, don't start drinking shots until the sun goes down because, uh, you know, just pace yourself because there's a lot of rock and roll. And uh, it should be cool. We're going to give away some stuff. And again, it's just going to be a fun, like, kind of hangout. And um, before you know it, it'll be over. And uh, the next day, Sunday, we've got uh, a, a, kind of a, another little sideshow at G-Man. Brendan Kelly's going to play solo. Devin from Cobra Skulls is going to do acoustic thing. Uh, we've got some, maybe some more special guests, but um, that'll be fun, too. It'll be kind of a nice way to cap off the events. But, you know, I, I mentioned earlier, there's a little uh, secret matinee show, which we haven't uh, announced. Uh, it's going to be in the neighborhood but, uh, you know, you'll find out about it on Saturday, or if you're around that weekend. But uh, it's going to be a little little tiny spot in the neighborhood, and it'll be pr- pretty fun. So, uh, you know, we, uh, it, it should be a pretty, uh, you know, we got, we, it's packed with events for the weekend. But at the same time, you know, I think people also, you'll have some time to, like, if you want to, you know, do the uh, architectural boat tour. You know, if, you're, if people are coming in from other continents to see Chicago, you know, you don't need to spend it totally immersing yourself in punk rock. There's a lot of things to do in this great city, and, you know, we people have opportunity to do that, too, you know? And there's also, so, okay, so first, that's there's a lot going on. I'm really looking forward to all the events this weekend, and I know a lot of people are, especially the fact that there's, like, people coming from Australia and Europe. That's incredible. Yeah. What about the compilation? There's also a compilation. Is that going to be available for this weekend? There's, there's a Red Scare 10-year compilation yeah, album. Yeah, we did. Um Good of you to bring that up. We 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 released a ten-year uh, compilation. It was it was fun because uh, seventeen bands on it, pretty much all the bands on the label, uh, who have done multiple releases. We had to come up with some criteria. That we, you can't fit thirty bands on one record, but we did uh, seventeen songs. Uh, it's all unreleased, all new stuff, which is cool. Um, and the LP will finally be available here at the ten-year show. Um, God willing, it's a uh, you know supposed to arrive the, the day before so yeah, that's pretty cool but yeah the cd and digital has been out for a while and it's like really gotten such awesome response and it was cool like no one really does samplers anymore or compilations because again it doesn't the the, the musical climate doesn't really necessitate it you, you if you want to hear a song from a band you don't need to buy a sampler anymore you can just go listen to it on spotify or whatever right. but uh we did it because all it was all um you know, new material and uh, in the spirit of doing things that uh, like don't make any sense and don't add up financially, you know, we uh, we did it again. Yeah, go with what works. Yeah, go with what works. <laughs> yeah. Tobias Jag, Red Scare Records, uh, 10 year anniversary events happening all weekend. Uh, what's the best place for people to be able to find out about all this online and keep up with everything? Yeah, well, I would say redscare.net is our homepage. That's the schedule of the bands is all up there. Mm-hmm. Um, I post, uh, there'll be a lot of updates on Twitter. Uh, we're at, at redscare. Um, my personal one's at redscaretoby. Um, Brendan is at Bad Sandwich. Just follow a lot of the bands because I think people will be chirping about it. And, you know, we have a Facebook page. We'll be doing a lot of updates. We just posted the uh, – we did this cool screen print poster that we we just posted an image up. So you can check that stuff out online, you know, if you want to be a part of this amazing 10-year dynasty that we've put together here. Yeah. And you know this is Dynasty Podcast. Oh, my God. That, that's what we call uh, synergy, yeah. um, kismet, <laughs> serendipity, if you in, will. In the corporate worlds yeah. that both of us live in. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
Tobias Jag, Red Scare Records, man. 10 year anniversary happening this weekend with all sorts of great events at Metro and here at G-Man, uh, Ginger Man in, in Wrigleyville, right next door to Metro. There's the 10 year anniversary comp. Uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing everything this weekend and seeing everything that comes out of Red Scare in the future, man. And, and I have to say, sitting down with you here, thank you, because for years you have been supporting you know, my efforts, like whether it was booking bands through you guys on Local 101 or helping us get like Lawrence Arms or, or other acts for the podcast as well, man. So longtime supporter. I'm really happy to see everything happening for you guys. And thank you for taking some time today, man. That's cool. I appreciate it. You know, we're trying to do, uh, trying to do our part. I think everybody does their part in this little, little corner of the, of the community. I think in closure, we should try to capture a high five on, uh, on the microphone. Let's do it. Okay. Let's get, we're right. put the, let's try to make collision right near the microphone. Ready? All right. One, Here it goes. two, three. All right. We got it. That's That'll pick it. up. Yeah, cheers. Awesome, man. Congrats on the bat. Thank you. This has been the Chicagoverse Unlimited Podcast. Thanks to Tobias Jag of Red Scare Records for being on the show this week. You can find more Dynasty Podcasts at DynastyPodcast.com. For the Dynamic Dynasty, my name is Haima Black, Dynasty Descend.